0: Hi, everyone. This is Matt, the producer of the Investor Mindset Podcast. And this week, we've got another amazing episode in the Best of series. We're looking back at the interview that we had with Brandon Turner from the Bigger Pockets Podcast. This is an amazing episode if you're looking to get started or you want to improve your game.
1: This. Yes is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. In each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. And before we jump into the episode today, I wanted to remind you guys to go grab your copy of the Passive Investor Playbook, the ultimate guide to passive investing. And you can find your copy at theinvestormindset.com slash passive. You can find that right here in the show notes. The Passive Investor Playbook is full of all the foundational information you're going to need to start learning. How do you go and make those smart decisions as a passive investor. How do you go about vetting sponsors? How do you go about deciding what your investment goals are, whether you want to be active or passive? And of course, what type of investment opportunities are you looking for? We dive really deep into some great topics. We've covered a lot of these in some short podcast episodes, but you can grab the full guide full of graphs, pictures, and plenty of information right over at theinvestormindset.com slash passive. Look forward to uh, having you enjoy that and let's get right back to it. You talked about something. I want to come back to right people in just a second, but you talked about something uh, underlining the importance of doing due diligence. So I'm doing due diligence on these operators. I'm building rapport with them. I'm building connection. I'm reviewing their deals and I'm going out and understanding all of the intrinsic pieces that go into this to make sure that when I bring in my investors that we're in this together. So yeah. walk me through your process, or what you recommend that passive investors uh, or others would be looking for. Because I'm sure that as you're going out and vetting these multifamily deals that you guys are going to do yourself, you're probably having some of these conversations. And I think it's important as a capital raiser to understand what that conversation might look like? Sure. Good question. So
0: what we, I mean, what I look for, first of all, is I want to know like the math. Like I want to really understand the math. I mean, real estate is a math game. It always has been and always will be. Um, There's obviously a lot of other components that are important, but I want to understand the math, where they came with those numbers. And I dive really deep into the assumptions that they make. Real estate's also a big assumptions game. And so we're just like, you know, what I mean by that is we're just guessing. Like we don't know how much is going to snow in New York, upstate New York next year. We have no idea. So should we budget 5000 for snow removal or 500 for snow removal? I don't know. It's a judgment call, uh, and and you can't always and this is this is interesting. But you can't always take the most conservative approach because then every single deal in the world is going to not work out. Like nothing will work out if you always take the I'm afraid it's the worst case scenario. The world's melting world's melting down. You can be conservative, but you can't always say well. It could be anywhere between five hundred and hundred thousand dollars. You know, if a hurricane hit. Let's go 100,000 because it just doesn't work that way. So you have to balance that of where are you practical and where are you conservative. So I wanna see where they did that in their numbers and how they came up with all those things. Um, so I, I'm a math nerd, I spend a lot of time on math when I'm looking at those kind of deals. Uh, but also I, I spend a lot of time, we look at like the team itself. And this is what I advise other people, is look at the team itself. Do they have the right people on the bus? Are they in the right seats? What are they doing? Uh, and do they have trust? Do they have credibility? Do they have like, you, I didn't feel like I as, a, as an operator, whereas as like the syndicator, I didn't think I had enough credibility. And like, I hope people like understand, like, I mean, I'm the guy that wrote the book on rental property investing and and all these other books. And like, I'm on the podcast and I have a lot of trust, but I personally don't think I had the credibility to take down 500 units this year. Uh, And maybe that's just limiting belief, but like, I had not done anything over 50 units. So I was like, well, if I went and bought 500 this year, that's, that's a lot of work. So what did I do? I went and grabbed other people's credibility, like Brian Murray, who's bought thousands. I said, Brian, let's be partners. Let's work this together. Ryan Murdoch, who is one of the best, he owned a property management company and uh, ran a big real estate company. I mean, he's like legit guy, right? I brought these people in and now it's not just me, it's the team again. So if you're going to raise money for somebody, uh, you got to go and make sure that their team is like solid and they have the experience needed to be able to pull that out. So yeah, between, the team and the math; those two things, I'm going to really dive into.
1: I'm not sure if that answers that question, but that's the hundred percent answers it. So I think I think we're going down this path. It's started to make a lot of sense. So we've built the trust. We are, you know, we've got a great deal. We've got the awareness. We're out there. We're talking with investors. What's the conversation when we're talking to folks about investing a hundred thousand or a half a million or a million dollars into a large deal. Um, and I know that it's a little bit different than when we're talking about just this little fix and flip. Um, but it's probably similar. I'd love it if you could kind of compare and contrast the two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation. And, and I'm glad that Mike has to have it more often than I do, you know, cause like investor relations guy, but I do have to have it. I have to have it a lot. Uh, it's just like we, what we try to do is just we, we, tell the truth. Uh, and, and that's the main thing. We just tell what we're doing and people get excited about what we're doing and about progress. Uh, like I don't have to try to convince somebody to put money with them. All I have to do is tell them what we're doing and they get excited. Now there are, there is some marketing involved with that. And I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but really, I just, I just tell them what we're doing. I'm like, yeah, this is what we're buying and here's why I like it. And this is why I'm excited. And people will feed off my excitement. I mean, if I tell you like, yeah, you know, I just, I like apartments because, you know, rent comes in and stuff. Like nobody's going to want, but if I'm like, no, here's why I love mobile home parks or here's why I love this thing, right? Because if the economy crashes and people lose their jobs, what's going to be easier to pay $200 for rent or pay $2,000 for rent? $200 $200 a month for rent, they could go sell plasma and get enough to pay for rent, right? So, I love that, that in a down economy, that mobile home parks are recession resistant. I love that, I think in a recession that we're going to be fine by owning mobile home parks, I'd be terrified of owning high-end rentals in this thing, right? So, there's a little bit of marketing there, right? So, I'm I'm explaining why I like what I am, but I'm also passionate about it because I, I really believe it. Like, I put my own money into every deal that we do because I really, like, The whole reason, I tell this too, I tell these investors, the whole reason I started Open Door Capital is because I make stupid money right now and I need somewhere to put it. Like, that's that's just the truth. I make really good money and I need somewhere to put it. And I don't want to just stick in the bank. I don't like the stock market. I don't trust it. I think a recession's coming and I've been saying that for a year now. I mean, not that I'm a genius, just recessions always come, right? It's up and down but I need somewhere to put it. So now other investors go, yeah, I make stupid money and I need somewhere to put it. You know, I might not say stupid money, but like the fact is I make more money than what I need to live right now. I have an excess. And so uh, I had a problem and I solved it by putting it into real estate. I didn't trust a lot of other syndicators out there because I think a lot of people were in stuff that I was considering kind of sketchy in terms of like, yeah, you know, if the cap rate drops every year over the next couple of years and if we raise rent by 30% a year, man, this is gonna be an amazing investment. I'm like, "Eh, is it? Like, really? Like, you're looking like rose colored glasses. And when I say these things to investors, they naturally like nod their head. Yeah. I see that too. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. I feel the same way. I'm right there with you. So I'm not like this, like high, like, you know, like I'm the king of the syndication. I'm like, I'm like one of you I'm in this because I need my money to grow. And I think there's a lot of value when you're talking to investors to approach it from that way.
1: Yeah. Talk to them like, like you completely understand what they're going through. Like yeah, you yeah. understand the life that they're living and that they've got money and they're looking for a place to place it and they've got to find a home for it. And, and you happen to have a great home for them to place that money because you're yeah. placing all of your money there. And you know, if it's good enough for me, I hope that it's good enough for you, but if it's not no big deal and yeah. uh, no pressure, cause we got more than enough people that are going to be coming in. So that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Do you, and from a capital raising perspective do you vet your investors in other words do you ever deny investors from joining a fund because maybe they're not a right the right fit uh, culturally or or is there things that capital raisers should look out for in that front
0: yeah so i mean we obviously we we do the legal distinction because we are a 506c fund so we can only raise from accredited investors we can't take money if you're not an accredited investor so we, that's like an obvious like that we if you're if you are not accredited. We can't take your money. I wish we could. We can't, uh, blame the government. Now but beyond that, we would really only refuse somebody's money if they were just a pain in the neck. Like that's kind of like, like there's like, mm-hmm. there's just people you just don't like working with. Um, And that might be just like, they're calling you constantly and harassing you and giving you a hard time. And like they're, they're, I don't call it nitpicking a deal. Cause I've had some investors really want to dive into their numbers really, really carefully. And that's fine. It's actually kind of nice to have those people because they keep you honest. Uh, But, there are people that are just not worth it. Like uh, Tim Ferriss is big on this when the four hour work week is like, it's okay to fire your Mm -hmm. customers. It's okay to say no to money uh, if it's going to cause you more headache in the long run. And that actually reminds me of something you said, or or you said a second ago, and I wanted to to revisit was that like, I don't ever want to appear and I'm not like uh, desperate for their money. Because when you're desperate for money, you're in the weaker position. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I, not only do I not show that I'm like, desperate. I really am not desperate. Cause I believe that there's lots of money out there. I have, I have very abundant mentality. And so when I first started raising money, when I first tried to raise money, this is like four years ago, I was trying to raise money for like one, like it was like a fix and flip or, or a small multifamily. I can't remember what it was. And I went to some friends of mine. I was like, Hey guys, I got a kind of a good deal. And uh, I really need some money for it. And I really wish I had some for it. And they're like, Oh man, sorry. Right. So I came <laughs> begging, basically. Mm -hmm. So what I learned is that if like, when you are a syndicator or raising money for a duplex, I don't care anything in between, if you're trying to get money from someone else, you are not asking for a favor. You are offering an opportunity. And like when I, when I realized that, that I need to approach this from an opportunity standpoint, look, I don't need your money. There's a lot of people. I've got a great deal. Deals are hard to find right now. I got it. I got a team that is made up of rock stars. I got this thing figured out. If you want in, great, we'd love to have you. Uh, and I do need money, but I don't need yours if you don't wanna be in and I'm not gonna say it that way, but the, this, the, menta- the attitude is one of, if this works for you, great, if not, I wish you well. Uh, because it's gotta fit with what they want. Some people just don't like mobile home parks. They hate them and so they won't
1: invest with us. That's fine,
0: I'll yeah, refer that, to my friends.
1: That confidence comes through when you're talking to them and that confidence makes them confident.